Hi everyone, hey my name is Morgan Terrell and I'm the online campus supervisor here at Sandals Church. I would say that one of the best parts of my job and probably most people on staff here at Sandals agree is actually getting to know the people that go to Sandals Church. And for us online, that means the people that are watching this right now. One of the things that we're doing this year and that we're gonna do once a year is take an annual church survey so that we can better get to know you, where you're coming from, what needs you have, and then make decisions on how to better serve you based on that information. So if you wouldn't mind right now going to do a quick survey for us at move.sc survey, it will be quick, it will be anonymous, and it will really help us better serve you in the year to come. So go ahead and do that. We'll give you a few seconds before service starts. And thank you so much for taking the time to do this so that we can better know you and serve you. We love you guys and hope you have a great day. Well, hello, Sandals Church. I could not be more excited that you are here today. My name is Jeff and I get to serve the online community, which means I get to serve you which means I get to champion this amazing vision of helping people to become real with themselves, God, and others. Something that we all truly desire and who the church is supposed to be, real. If you are here for the first time, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Let us know in the chat that this is your first time, or of course you can let me know by going to sandalschurch.com next. Well, today you are in for a treat because we are here at one of our our local campuses here in Southern California area, and it's gonna be just a special time. We have we have Steve and Beck and Charlie and Danny and myself, and we are gonna spend some time in worship. It may look a little different, but understand that you are a part of worship. Our hope is that you will join in. This is not a concert. It may seem like a concert, but this is a choir, and you are a participant in this time of singing to God. So let's sing to the Lord, who deserves all of our praise. Praise for it. 
Church, the presence of heaven is here with us and it's right there in your, in your room, wherever you are. So come on, we're gonna sing this out. This is what living looks like. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. I love that song. We praise you, we praise you. This is what heaven sounds like. I mean, I don't know if I sound like heaven, but you all do, you all do. <laughs> right now, if you have kids, you can get them connected on our Sandals Church Kids service, which is at kids.sandalschurch.tv. They will love it. I mean, I love it. I love watching it. I love watching my kids watch it. I mean, it's just good, even I like it. We are continuing our series, When in Rome, which is based on not a city, but a letter to the Romans, which is found in the New Testament. If you've been with us, you know that these messages have been timely and exactly what we need. Here's another message in our series, Win in Rome. Hey, Sandals Church, it's great to be back with you this week. Uh, I'm super excited to just be with you today, but I gotta be honest, I'm very nervous about the topic that I'm going to cover. I'm going to be covering one of the most controversial passages in Scripture in light of today's culture. It has not been controversial for most of the last 2,000 years, but in the last 50 or 60 years, this has one of, been one of the most controversial, argued about, and often dismissed passages of Scripture. And so I just want you to know that if you're a gay person that attends our church or you, you have someone that you love and you care about very much that's gay, I just want you to know that I'm not here to pick on them, uh, to, to call them out. We are literally going through the book of Romans, and this is something that the Apostle Paul thought needed to be addressed in a culture that did not understand God and did not honor God. And so if you're a person who considers yourself a part of the LGBTQ community, or there's someone in your life that's very, very important, I wanna encourage you uh, not to dismiss this, but at least to listen. Give God an opportunity to speak to you. And let me say this about the Apostle Paul. Many people dismiss the Apostle Paul as homophobic. Sometimes he's called misogynistic. But before we dismiss the Apostle Paul, I want you to know two things. 
You would not go to heaven if Jesus Christ did not die for you on the cross. Heaven wouldn't even be a discussion. But if we didn't have the apostle Paul, we wouldn't know about Jesus and we wouldn't know about heaven. So before you dismiss him, just know that it's Jesus' sacrifice that saves us, but it's Paul's message. It's Paul's letters. It's Paul's heart that teaches us how to be saved. And so we need Jesus to die and we need the apostle Paul to preach. And so many people dismiss Paul and I think it's unfortunate. And before you, you know, you read some book by somebody who's telling you the apostle Paul's wrong or the scripture's wrong, or you need to, you need to reinterpret what the Bible says. I want you to ask yourself, this person that's telling you the Bible's wrong, I want you to ask yourself, has this person denied themselves marriage? Has this person walked away from their profession, from their career, from their family? Have they left all of those things for Jesus? Has this person that's telling you, you can do whatever you want with your body because it's your body. Has this person been beaten multiple times? Has this person been left for dead by his own ethnic racial group because of his faith in Jesus? Has this person abandoned family, abandoned you know, children, wife, love? Has this person left everything for Jesus? And was this person ultimately beheaded because of their faith in Christ? Those are the things that the apostle Paul did for you to share with you his understanding of the gospel. And so what we need to do when somebody criticizes Paul, we need to look at their life and then we need to look at Paul's life. And we need to ask ourselves, who's really in this? Because the apostle Paul died, he lost his head so that you could find your soul. So I just wanna pray for us as we go through this scripture. And I pray that we would all take this seriously. Uh, some, some moments might be a little fun uh, because we are talking about sex and just know parents, I'm gonna keep it appropriate. Um, but we are talking about sex, so you need to make a decision. So let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, give us just clarity through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, use me, uh, just a humble servant who, who knows very little when it comes to sexuality, but God, you invented sex, it was your idea, and you made us sexual beings. So Lord, enlighten us as to your purpose as we seek to live out our Christian faith. Give us a humble heart and an open mind as we read your word together. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So let's jump right into this controversial text. Some of it you will find controversial. Some of it you will immediately agree with. So Paul begins in Romans 1.21 with these words. He says, yes, they knew God, but they would not worship him as God or even give him thanks. I want you to think about this. 2,000 years ago, the apostle Paul has no understanding of China. He's never heard of South America. Australia, the continent, would not be discovered by the Western world for 1,800 more years. Think about that. The apostle Paul has no idea how large the earth is. He has no idea how large Africa is because they think it ends at the deserts in the Sahara. He has no concept of the magnitude of the earth, but the apostle Paul writes this word through the illumination of the Holy Spirit. He says, yes, people know God. Guess what we've discovered? If you're Indiana Jones and you go to South America, if you're Indiana Jones and you go to Australia, if you're, if you're Indiana Jones and you go uh, into the Congo, into parts of Africa that people didn't even know existed. If you go to China, if you go to Indochina, Southeast Asia, if you go to India, all of these places that were unknown, guess what we found out? The apostle Paul was right. Every culture, every people group believes in God. 
You have to go to school to become dumb enough to become an atheist. You have to be educated to not believe in God. There's something universal about humanity that looks up and says there's something up there. So everybody knows there's a God. Here's the problem. They don't acknowledge the one true God, either out of ignorance or arrogance, but they don't acknowledge him. And so what happens? They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. So many of us are, are extraordinarily critical of Western civilization and their expanse through colonialism. And there's a lot of things that are horrendous about that, but so many of you who have grown up in school in the last 20 or 30 years, you've developed a critical mind for Western civilization, but you've never been taught what kind of civilizations they replaced. So if you're a conquistador and you go into Mexico, guess what are the first things that you see? You see buildings, listen to me, you see buildings constructed out of skulls. Thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people were sacrificed by Mayans because they believed that their God was pleased with the assassination of their own people. And they built buildings out of heads. They built buildings out of heads. If you went to the Caribbean, and many of you hope one day, once, once uh, you know, COVID is over, you're gonna go back on a cruise. Many of you have no idea that the Caribbean is named after the indigenous people who are the Caribs. Guess what the Caribs like to do? Eat you. They, they ate people. They were a terrifying race of people. And, and, and one of the reasons that, that these areas were so easily conquered is because of the suppressed minorities were tired of those things. And they thought, well, we're gonna go with the crazy white people. Maybe they'll be better. And in some ways they were, in some ways they weren't. But here's the thing that you need to understand. Many evil things have been done in the name of Christ, but that has nothing to do with Jesus. We all think up of whacked ideas of what God is like. And if we're not careful, we build buildings out of human heads. This is why we need scripture, because on your own, you create, you create a wrong idea of God. And so what happens when you have a wrong idea of God? The apostle Paul says in Romans, as a result, their, mind, their minds became dark and confused. And so it's a good idea to decapitate people and, and build a, a home out of skulls. That's not right. Then you, you, you become confused and you think it's okay for me to eat another human being. You see, we need scripture that tells us it's wrong to take the life of another human being because they are created in the image of God. Right? Red, yellow, black, and white. They are all precious in his sight. That's revelation. Claiming to be wise, they instead became fools. You see, when you get to create your own God, your own God's intelligence is capped at yours. Your mind creates the ceiling for God's goodness and God's righteousness. And that's what we do. We create God in our own image, in our own likeness. We reverse the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis says God created us in his likeness and us in his image. We return the favor. And when we do that, we have a much smaller, much more incompetent God. The Apostle Paul says, instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, the Apostle Paul has to break into worship when he talks about God. He has to break into worship. He can't just say God. He says, instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. 
And so what happens when you create a false God? What happens when you and I worship who we think God is? God abandoned us to that God. It says, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And sometimes that led human beings to the sacrifice of hundreds of thousands of innocent people in the name of their God. They decapitated him and they built buildings with skulls. But oftentimes in human history, what we do when we abandon the eternal, the ever glorious God, we turn to sex and we worship sex and we worship beauty. And so much of the earth turn to the powerful thing of sex. And we said, ah, this is the most important thing. And I will worship this. And as a result, the apostle Paul said, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. You see, when you believe lies about God, you believe lies about yourself. And so they worshiped and they served the things God created. Many of you call yourself an environmentalist. You're not an environmentalist. You're a worshiper of Mother Earth. You have denied Father God for Mother Earth and you are worshiping something else. Look, the earth's a beautiful place. We need to steward it and we need to take care of it. We do not worship the earth. It is created. We worship the creator, God. And they worshiped and they served things God created. And instead of the creator himself, once again, Paul has to jump into worship who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Not a woman. Amen. He said that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. You see, when we decide what God's like and we decide to worship something else, let me just tell you something. Some of you guys, you have desires that are dark. You have desires that are confused. If you continue to pursue that and you can continue to worship that, God will give you what you want. God will allow you and hand you over your, to your desires. And your desires won't fulfill you. Your desires will destroy you. And then the apostle Paul says, even women turned against the natural way to have sex and indulged with sex with each other. And men also, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, they burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of their sin, they suffered within themselves the due penalty they deserved. And in this scripture, the apostle Paul says, when you have the wrong God, you will develop a wrong sexuality. When you begin to worship a created thing, whether it's a man or a woman or multiple men or multiple women, when you begin to worship that, it distorts not only your image of God, but your image of yourself. And ultimately what it does is it separates you from God. So let's talk about sexuality. Let's talk about it. I want all the dads in our church, you have a little cute girl and she's got ponytails, right? And dads always tell me, I'm never gonna let her date. I'm gonna lock her in a closet. I got news for you. Little Cindy Lou Who, one day she's going to become aware that she's a sexual person. And do you know why that is? Because it was sex that made little Cindy Lou Who. Write this down in your notes. Even if you're a grandma, I'm a sexual person. We are all sexual people. Do you know why that is? God made sex. 
God made it. He made you a sexual person. Some of you say, well, I don't know why we're talking about sex. I don't think it's important. Interesting fact. Sex is talked about in the first chapter of Genesis and the apostle Paul deals with it in the first chapter of his letter to the Romans. Do you know why the Bible talks about sex? Because sex is important and you need to have a right understanding of it. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Why? So that they could be sexual towards one another. They are different, but they are to become one. And then God blessed them. This is about sex. He said, be fruitful, full, and multiply. It was his idea. And so many of you guys, you're doing a disservice by, by not talking about sex to your kids when they're curious, because if they don't learn it from you parents, they're gonna learn it from Google, and Google's evil. It's evil. There's nobody out there that cares about them. There's nobody out there that loves them. You think TikTok's gonna love them? You think Twitter's gonna love them? Oh, they'll use them. But you need to understand this, and listen to me, young people. Being sexual on TikTok, TikTok, being sexual, I'm old. Being sexual on TikTok may get you likes, but it'll never get you love. It'll never get you love. It may get you views, but it will never help you discover your value. Yes, you're a sexual person and people will use that to exploit you. God wants to use sex to bless you. That's why he created it. And yet, because we've gone our own way and we've thought up our own ideas of God, we've taken the very thing that's supposed to bring love and joy and life, and it's brought sorrow, suffering, and death. So you're a sexual person. You're a sexual person. I mean, some of you are a teenager, you know, and you're aware of that, and some of you are older, and it takes an appointment and a pill, amen? But you are aware that you're a sexual person. And as far as I can tell, this doesn't change. I remember years ago, I was out to breakfast with my brother when we were, we were, we were talking together and there's this old lady and she's reading one of those romance novels. You know, it was before you read on a Kindle. It actually was a book and it had a cover on it and, and it has this guy with like long hair, you know, chest open. I mean, not like my chest, but like a real chest, you know, chest open. And I think he's like riding a dragon or something. And she's reading this book and she's looking at me. She's reading this book and she's looking at me. I mean, this woman's like 80 years old, you know, and I'm in my 30s. I'm like, I, I mean, do I know you? Or like, you're my grandma's friend? But she was looking at me like she wasn't my grandma's friend. You know, she was looking at me. And all of a sudden I realized the guy on the cover has long hair. I used to have long, glorious, curly hair. And all of a sudden she looked at me and she said, do you mind if I gaze into your eyes? I was like, gaze away, right? <laughs> gaze away. I mean, this is awkward. What do, you, what do you say when an 80-year-old woman says, can I gaze into your eyes? Like, yes, ma'am. You know, go ahead, right? We're all sexual beings. Little Cindy Lou Who and uh, old Lois, right? <laughs> I mean, we're all sexual beings. But here's the thing that you need to understand about sexuality. My sexuality, your sexuality, it's complex. One of the things that drives me crazy is we try to oversimplify things, right? Christians, conservative Christians say dumb things. Sexuality is a choice. But liberals, you know, Christians say things, you know, it's, it's, it's all predetermined. Well, let's talk about what sexuality is. When I was a kid, they used to talk about the birds and the bees. I haven't figured out what birds have to do with sex, but I figured out the bees. And so I'm gonna give the bees to you today. So my sexuality is complex. It comes from three things. Number one, my biology. Look, some of you, you don't like that. You don't wanna hear that, but your biology determines your height, whether you're tall or you're short. 
Your biology determines whether you know, you're thin or you're thick, right? Your biology determines you know, uh, a lot of, to do with the, your level of intelligence. It has to do with you know, whether you get zits or, or you don't get zits. Our biology plays a factor. So a lot of conservative Christians say it has nothing to do with biology, but the world says it's all about biology, which is interesting because our universities say gender is not fixed, right? But sexuality is fluid. I mean, they completely flip it upside down. And here's what I would say, is your biology determines a lot of things about you, but it doesn't determine everything about you. And so if you're a, if you're a person who identifies as gay, instead of running around saying I was born this way, okay, because I don't remember how I was when I was two, three, four, five, I would just simply say, you know, these are the leanings that I've had for a long time and I can't remember not having them. But let me give you some interesting information for those of you who think it's all biological. I have some good friends who are gay. I have a lot of people in my life that I love very, very much who are gay and identify as gay or a part of the LGBT community. And one of my good friends who identifies as a man who's attracted to men, you need to know that he's a biological identical twin. What that means is he and his brother, they share the very same DNA. They look the same, they're the same gender. Everything about them from a cellular level is identical. One twin is attracted to women as a heterosexual and one twin is attracted you know, to uh, men as, as a homosexual male. You know what that means? It's not all biological. It's not. What it means is we're complex and we need to run around with these very, very simple things and understand, look, my biology plays a part. How much of it? I don't know. I don't know, but it's a part of it. But let me tell you what else plays a part in your sexuality, your background. What happened to you? You see, my good friend, even though they're the same at the cellular level, listen to me, they were raised in the same home by the same two parents. They experienced life differently. You experience school differently. You experience friendships differently. You experience sports differently. You see, as individuals, even when you're a biological twin, when everything about you is exactly the same in your sibling, you interpret the world as an individual. Do you know why that is? Because you are an individual. You are unique. And you're entitled to your own interpretations and your own understandings and your own feelings. And all of these things affect our sexuality. All of us feel this way. It doesn't matter, it doesn't it just have to do with whether you're gay or straight. Do you feel beautiful? Do you feel handsome? Do you feel athletic? Do you feel like an outcast? All of these things affect our sexuality. They affect the way we see ourselves. And then we go through this wonderful thing called puberty, right? Where your brain gets scrambled and it's all bizarre. And we have to interpret life through this. Next though, my sexuality is complex, determined by my biology, my background, but it's also determined by my beliefs. How do I, what do I believe about God? What do I believe about sex? What do I believe about myself? You see, belief matters. It matters. And so many of you, you've been lied to. You've been told, no, no, it's all fixed, right? You're born gay, you're not born gay. And here's one of the things that we're discovering. We're seeing a skyrocketing amount. Listen to me, parents, especially if you're a parent of a teenage girl. We are seeing skyrocketing amounts of teenage girls today who are saying, I identify not as gay, but I identify as a boy. 
And what you need to understand is 10 years ago, this didn't happen. 10 years, 10 years ago, the overwhelming majority of young people who struggled with gender dysphoria were males. Just 10 years ago. And in 10 years, in one decade, women have skyrocketed this. And here's what's happening. Little girls are living in a world of the internet. They're living in a world where they don't talk to each other, but they talk to random strangers on the internet. And let me tell you something, it's always been tough to be a little girl or a little boy going through puberty and trying to understand your way in the world where you feel weird about yourself. You wanna be unique, you wanna be loved, you wanna be valued. And in a world where when you put on your profile that you're gay, lesbian, or transitioning, all of a sudden, guess what you get? All kinds of new friends, all kinds of new attention, all kinds of new praise. And you know what that does to teenagers? That feels good. That feels good. Here's what you need to know, parents. 70% of all kids who struggle with their gender, they work it out before they become an adult. They work it out. There's a, a, a journalist, and I would encourage you to read her book. I'll post it on my Instagram this week. I'm trying to get through it. She's not a Christian. She's not a conservative. She's just a journalist. Remember when we used to have those? People who actually did investigations? And she wanted to know why all of these girls, these percentages are skyrocketing. And here's the thing that breaks my heart. There's now a growing group. Listen to me, Sandals Church. They're not called transitioners. Listen to this. They're called detransitioners. And after they go through horrible surgeries where they change their body physically forever, where they go on hormones, they get on the other side of it and they realize, nope, I'm still a girl. But they've done these surgeries They've gone through these horrible hormone transplants and because nobody's talked to them about God. And here's the thing. Here's the thing you need to know, parents. We have to learn to talk to our kids about sexuality because if we don't, the internet is. And the internet does not love your child. And let me say this as a parent. Your job is not to raise a heterosexual child. Your job is to raise a holy child who loves Jesus. The goal is not to be gay. The goal is to love God. Sex is not the end. Jesus is. And I can prove it to you. Jesus never got married. Do you know why he said this? He said, because in heaven, we will be like the angels, neither given in marriage nor married. You see, sex is a temporary thing, but listen to me, your soul is eternal and you will spend eternity based upon who owns your soul. And if sex owns your soul, I, I, I got terrible news for you. There's a scary future ahead. But if Jesus owns your soul, and we gotta make this a safe place for, for people to be able to talk and to be open with our young people about what they're feeling and the insecurities that they have, the curiosities that they have, and what they're learning at school. The church is the pillar and foundation of truth, and we are not afraid of any argument. The Apostle Paul says we take down every argument in the name of Jesus. And we gotta let our young people explore who they are here where people love them and care for them and value them and point them to Jesus. Because out there, they'll just use them. They'll just use them. Number three, so my sexuality is complex, but God's command for my sex life, it's simple. Don't believe the news. The Bible hasn't changed. It's never gonna change, our culture is changing. The Bible's commands for sex are so simple. The Apostle Paul writes to a church in Corinthians, and I just want you to know this. The Apostle Paul speaks specifically to homosexuality 
to three churches, to Rome, to Corinth, and to, the, and to his, uh, his disciple named Timothy, who's the pastor in Ephesus. Why would these issues come up? The same reason if 30 years ago, the apostle Paul was writing a letter to the, to the Christian church in San Francisco, to the Christian church in Hollywood, and to the Christian church in New York. These are where those issues would have been happening. Now in our culture, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But in the Apostle Paul's days, it's in these large urban centers where sexuality is all over the place. And he is explaining the very simple view of sex from God's point of view. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. It says, run from sexual sin. Now listen to me, young people and everybody who's on Pornhub. Listen to me. Whenever you see the word in the Bible, sexual sin or sexual immorality, it is always one of two words, pornos or pornea. And what it means is all things sexually immoral. So guess what Pornhub is for you as a Christian? It is all bad. None of it is good. None of it is empowering. It is disgusting and awful and you should run from it because those people are being used and when you watch it, you're using them. Run from it. Anything outside of a monogamous sexual relationship between a husband and a wife who've said, I choose you and you choose me and we do this to honor God because we see sex as sacred, anything outside of that is pornea. It's pornea. It's sexual immorality, which is why porn is the word that we use in English because it describes perfectly what the Apostle Paul says. It's all bad. It's all sex outside of marriage. Run from sexual sin. Run from it as a Christian. Why? No other sin so clearly affects you, affects the body as this one does. Sex is a way that we become like God. God created us in his image, right? And he created us male and female. God alone has the ability to create life. How did he give us the ability to create life? Through sex. It's one of the most powerful things we have as human beings. We get to engage with one another in love to create life. And every child is a gift. Every child is a blessing. And in the context of marriage, every child is welcomed and celebrated. But outside of marriage, oftentimes that child has to be annihilated. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Listen to this, and some of you don't know this. Some of you think you go to church. Here's what the gospel says. You are a church. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are a holy place. You are a sacred place. God says you have so much value. God says you are so beautiful. You are so wonderful. God cherishes you and loves you. Your body is not filthy or disgusting. Your body has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus and you are perfect in his eyes. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Listen to me if you're a Christian. You do not belong to yourself because God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. You must honor God. I know many of you struggle with sexuality. I want you to know as your pastor, bringing my sexuality under control and submitting it to God was the most difficult journey for myself. 
It's one of the reasons I started Sandals Church with the vision to be real, because I didn't feel like I could talk about it in the church that I attended. I want Sandals to be a safe place where we can talk about our sexual struggles. Because if we don't talk about it, if we don't deal with them, our sexual struggles will deal with us. Will deal with us. And I want you to know that I didn't just instantly stop looking at porn. I just didn't instantly stop engaging in premarital sex. I struggled with it and I battled with it. And so many of you guys are like, well, I prayed once and it didn't go away. Let me tell you something what I did. I decided to stop looking at porn and I decided to start looking at Jesus. And over time, over time, a miracle happened. As I developed the discipline of saying no, I learned to develop the discipline of saying yes to Jesus. It wasn't easy, but I believe, according to the scriptures, my soul was at stake. And let me say this about your sexuality. Many of you identify as gay, straight, and now there's all kinds of adjectives to describe who you are, and many of those things I have to Google because I don't understand what they mean. I want you to know this, that your sexuality, my sexuality makes a terrible God. It is a terrible God to worship. Romans 1, 23 and 25, Paul says, instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people. What's he saying? They stopped worshiping the creator and they started worshiping people. And that's what our culture is. We're, we're in love with sex. Sex sells everything. Sex is about everything. Matter of fact, most of you who feel insecure, what you feel is you're not sexy or you're not as sexy as you used to be or you're not as beautiful as you used to be. The reason our culture hates age, right? We don't like getting older, which hopefully you're getting wiser. The reason we wanna be younger is not because we're gonna be smarter, it's because we wanna be more sexual and, and more beautiful. It's a terrible God to worship. And let me tell you something, if you're beautiful, it ain't gonna last. It ain't gonna last. Nobody's sexy at 100, nobody, nobody. Everything gets gross, amen? It all gets gross. And so what happens when you worship youth, when you worship sex, when you worship beauty, you do all these, you know, these, these surgeries, right? You know, and it doesn't look good. No, but everybody's lying to you. It doesn't look good. It's a terrible God to worship. It's terrible. So God abandoned them to do whatever their shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. And we have all these young people today some young people are trying to make their body look like an animal. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making this stuff up. They identify with an animal because they think an animal is more beautiful than them. Do you know why that is? They worship the wrong God. They worship the wrong God. Or they're disfiguring their bodies. Some of you are, are changing your bodies from a man to a woman and a woman to a man. You're doing horrible things to the body that if you're a Christian is not yours. It's God's. And some of you say, well, I, I identify as a woman. I have a man's body, but, but I have a woman's soul. Listen to me. You need to give God your soul and trust him with your body. That's what you need to do. You need to trust God. You say, well, I just, I just feel like I'm supposed to be this opposite sex. What you're doing is you're worshiping gender as God and gender makes a terrible God. You need to say, God, I got some issues. I got some struggles but you gave me this body. You gave me this body and I gotta try to do the best I can with it. 
They traded the truth about God for a lie, and so they worshiped and served the things created instead of the creator himself. Some of you, you don't believe in God. You need to know that everything we're learning into science is pointing back to God. You see, Darwin was ignorant because he was limited in the science that he had. Scientists now, they're realizing that there's no way the earth could be here. There's no way. There's no way. It's impossible without a creator. You see, a fool finds a watch on the beach and says, oh, this must have evolved. You see, a normal person looks at a watch and says, I wonder who made this. Listen to me, the universe is keeping time and our time is almost up. You and I have a limited amount of time to see the watch for what it is. It's made by the creator and we need to repent of our sins and give our bodies to God. So here's the question going forward as a church. How do we reach out to our LGBTQ community? How do we do this? And you need to know this. You need to know this. If you go to Sandals Church, the LGBT community is not just out there. They're here. Some of them are on our staff. Some of them are my closest friends. These are the people that I love, the people that I have over to my house. It's not just out there. It's here. And so we don't just need to, to love without. We need to love within. So how do, how do we reach out to our, to our gay friends, to our lesbian friends, to our trans friends, to our questioning friends. How do we reach out to them? And here's the answer. The Bible is clear with love and respect. With love and respect. First Peter 2.17 says this, respect everyone, everyone, and love the family of believers. Love the family of believers. Listen to me, parents. You need to learn to talk to your children. And what you need to tell your children is God's designed you, if you choose to live a sexual life, to be married and you're to save sex for marriage. You need to have open and real and authentic conversations with your kid. And let me tell you when you need to start having them before they start learning about it out there. But again, you need to have an open dialogue to be able to talk about their struggles, their questions, their curiosities. And you need to be able to have that dialogue with them. And we do that at Sandals Church. Okay, we have gay kids, LGBTQ kids in our youth groups. And we say, bring them. We love them. God loves them. Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. And we want them here. Because God doesn't use people for sex. People use people for sex. God died for you. So let me say this. If you go to Sandals Church, homophobia can have no place in our church. No place in our church. We need to love people. We need to care for people, regardless of their struggle. But we don't just have to have love and respect. We have to have biblical clarity and we have to have the power of the gospel. You know what's so sad and so tragic about our world today? It's so depressing. It's so wrong. It's so demonic. The world actually says this. You can never change who you are. And then Christians tag on that and they say, well, Jesus would never ask you to change who you are. That's because they don't know Jesus and they don't know the gospel. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, the apostle Paul writes another letter to a church that's struggling with homosexuals, homosexuality within the church. It's struggling with transitioners. By the way, I believe the reason that the apostle Paul clarifies why men pray with their heads covered and women don't, because there was gender confusion in the church in Corinth. That's what I believe that's referring to. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 11, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Listen to me, Jesus is not a pass to sin and do whatever you want. 
And that's what a lot of people are running around. I got my Jesus card, so I get to sin. I get to do whatever I want. That's not the gospel. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Underline it, circle it, never forget it. Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin, what's the word? Porneus. Oh, well, God understands. My wife doesn't understand my sexual needs, so I get to look at Pornhub. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Well, I'm in a loveless marriage, so I get to have an affair. Don't be fooled. Well, God wouldn't have made me gay if he didn't want me to act on this. Don't be fooled. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or who are male prostitutes or who practice homosexuality or who are thieves or who are greedy or who are drunkards, right? We live in a world where you're not even responsible for that anymore. Listen to me. If you battle addiction, Jesus wants to battle with you. He doesn't wanna give you permission to just keep doing it. Or if you're abusive. Let me circle that word. And let me just apologize to the LGBT community. The church has been abusive to you and I I apologize. There's things I've said in the past that I regret. But let me say this to my LGBT community friends. Some of the harshest things that have ever been said to me are from the LGBT community. You got nasty people too. We all need to realize that we have to treat each other with love and respect. And we have to understand that we disagree about how to live. And what we're finding out in America is that's really hard to do. Or people who cheat people. Underline this and never forget it. None of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. There are some of you who think you are going to heaven, but you're not. You're not. You're not. A couple years ago, I had lunch with a pastor here in Southern California, and their church is open and affirming. What that means is they believe that God made you gay, and they do gay weddings, and and they invite people just to to live their gay lives, and, and, and they're fine with that. And so we met with each other, and we discussed this. We had a great conversation, and the pastor looked at me, and this is what she said. She said, Pastor Matt, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong and, you, and you've denied these gay people, these, 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 these transgender people? What, what if you've denied them love and family? What if you've denied them that? And this is what I told her. I said, on the day of judgment, I'll go up to them and I will personally apologize and I will hug them and I will say I did the best I could with the scriptures in the best way that I could understand. And I believe the Lord Jesus Christ will reward them and bless them a hundredfold because Jesus said, anyone who gives up husband or wife or children or home for my sake will be blessed a hundredfold. And then I looked at this pastor in the face and I asked her, and what if you're wrong? What are you going to tell your people in hell? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't take it seriously. I thought Paul was a misogynist. I thought Paul was a homophobic. I, I, was, I, I was wrong and Paul was right. What are, how are you going to apologize for all eternity? I said, I love my church too wrong to risk their I love my church too much to risk their souls. 
Because the Bible is not about this life, it's about eternal life. But here's the good news, listen to me, if, if you're LGBTQ, if, if, if you're a person who struggles with alcoholism, if you're a person who's committed adultery, if you're a person who was a thief, if you were arrogant, if you were abusive, if you were awful, if you were a sinner, here's the good news, some of you were like that. That's who you were. Listen to me, my gay friends. There were gay people in the church when it started. But Paul says you used to practice homosexuality, but now you don't. And why? Because you're cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus and the spirit of our God. And you said, I'm not gonna worship sex. I'm not gonna worship sexuality. I'm gonna worship the one true God and I'm gonna honor him with my body. You can change. I'm not saying it will be easy. I'm not saying that the road will always be fun. Jesus said, narrow is the road that leads to life and there are few that find it. I pray that you find it. Last point, how do, how do we reach out to our LGBTQ community? This is something that's on my heart. I know the sermon's long with personal integrity. If you're gay and you're listening, I want you to know that I'm not always sexually pure. There are moments where I struggle. There have been times in my marriage where my mind has wavered. There are times when I'm sitting at my computer and I'm tempted. If you're gay, I, I want you to listen to me because this is the gospel truth. There are many things I think about when I'm about ready to sin sexually. But one of the things I do is I think about my gay friends at Sandals Church. I think about what they sacrifice, what they say no to every single day. And in that moment, listen to me, my gay friends, I remind myself that if you can do it, I can do it for you as your pastor. And I say no to myself. I want you to know that if you're a gay person in this church and you're saying no to sex, no to marriage, no to family, I think that is an offering to God that is more pleasing than anything I could ever give. And I want you to know that you motivate me and you inspire me. And let me say this if you're a heterosexual, what in the hell are you doing? What are you doing? Some of you heterosexuals, you're dating. Oh, he slipped up again. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I looked at porn again. <laughs> what, are, what are you saying to the gay person that's sitting next to you in church that is abandoning everything for the gospel of Jesus Christ? What the hell are you saying? What you're saying is God forgives me, but not you. That's not the gospel. We all stand before the judgment throne of God. All of us. We all must repent, we all must be dedicated, and we all must know as Christians, our bodies are not our own personal playgrounds. They are God's redeemed body, and we must live with them for him. You're gonna hear a lot about this verse over the next couple weeks. It's the theme verse, and listen to me, it was my motivation for this entire series. We're not even gonna get to this verse for months, but I'm gonna give it to you today. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome. We're in chapter one. This is chapter 12. And he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. If you're gay, if you're straight, if you're married, if you're single, do you know why Jesus is worthy of your body? Because he gave his body for you. Let your body, listen to these words, let your body be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he 
will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't do it. Let me ask you, when is Hollywood ever right? When are they ever right? Google has information, but it is bereft of wisdom. Bereft. When are they ever right? They don't care about you. They didn't die for you. They didn't come to redeem you. Jesus did. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. I don't care what everyone else is doing. God wants you to care about what Jesus did. But let God transform you. You see, you can change. I can change into a new person, into a new person. I'm not gay, I'm not straight, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a new person. I'm not single, I'm not married, I'm a new person. I'm not black, I'm not white, I'm a new person. I'm a new creation, I'm born again, and I live for God. Let God transform you, let God, let God transform you by changing the way you think, by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and which is pleasing and it's perfect. I know it's confusing, but God's will for your sexuality is good. Listen to these words. It is pleasing. It is. And it's perfect. It's perfect. The world's sexual will for your life is bad. It's destructive. And it is anything but perfect. I want to challenge all of us to look at ourselves this week and to say, God, how do I honor you with my body? Man, if you're addicted to porn, join a men's group. Get rid of it. If you're having an affair, stop it. Stop it. If you're single and you're engaged in premarital sex, let it end today and say, God, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. And if you're gay, you're part of the LGBT community. I know this is tough, but the gospel's always been tough. That's why it's the narrow road. Know that I love you and I'm praying for you. Let's pray. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would bless us with a new mind, with a new heart, to live out our new life in this old body that has desires that we wish we didn't have, that points us in directions that we wish we didn't go, and let us repent right now in Jesus' name and trust you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. What I love about this message and so many other messages in this series is that we are discovering what it means to be the church. As we read the Bible, we discover what it means to be the church and how we can live like Christ in a culture that doesn't. 
As I look around my city, this nation, our world, it's obvious that Christ and the things of God are less and less of a reality in our culture. And Jesus told us that that, that would be the case. And so I'm not fretting, I'm not scared. <laughs> but here is my question to us and to you. Are you reading the Bible? Did you know that, that the best-selling book of all time is the Bible? Come on now. And there's a reason for that. It's because the Bible powered by the Holy Spirit, which we believe are the words of God, is transformational, that it brings life change, but you've got to read it to know it. You got to read the Bible until it reads you. We have many reading plans on our Sandals Church app that helps you go through the Bible. And today we are releasing the newest Bible reading plan, The Life of Faith. In fact, in the last three months, there have been over 25,000 days of the Bible reading plan completed. That's thousands of people who have participated in the reading of God's word. We would love for you to join with us by going to sandalschurch.com app. And this Bible reading plan is available to people all over the world because so many of you have decided to give to this global ministry. When you partner with us, you are able to help us get the Bible around the world for free. Thank you so much for giving. And, and if you would like to partner with us, you can do that today by going to give.se. We are going to end our time now with worship, which means that we are going to sing to God and thank him with our voices and give him praise. Don't let this moment pass you by. The Bible lets us know that, that we are to shout for joy, to sing praises to the Lord from our soul, our inner being. So let's sing. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit. Let that room where you are be filled with his presence.
You're all we want. Your presence, your goodness, your glory. To see you move in our lives. You're everything that we need. You're all we want. Though our flesh and our heart may fail, God, you are the strength of our heart. And sometimes our desires don't match up with what we need. 
this moment, we know we need you. So would you come and would you fill this place? Remind us of your goodness. You never get tired of reminding us of who you are and what you can do and how good and how sweet, how lovely, how wonderful you are. So remind us again. Bring us close, draw us back to you again. given us everything. So I'm not here for blessings. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do. I just want you. Your mercy never fails me. 
of his glory was revealed to us through his son on the cross. So sing this with us now. We sing of what he has done for us through Jesus. Oh, my God. 
and what he did on the cross for us rewrites your history, covers you with destiny and breaks every chain and speaks a better word. Now that's a message that we need to hear. You need to hear. And I know someone you know needs to hear. 
So make sure you share this message, share this service with someone you know. Why? Because we all need to hear this. I want you to know that, that we love you, I love you, and I hope to see you here, right back here, next week. Take care.